coming up on this week's episode. Right. But our brain is still perceiving that, you know, maybe that letter from the mortgage broker or the, the debt collector or the fact that, you know, they're laying off people at work and you don't know if you've got job security. Your brain perceives that just as much as what the cavemen perceived as being in the wilderness and being chased by a massive animal. So that's the thing that we have to remember is that these everyday threats that don't seem like that they're, you know, really that dangerous, but that's not how your brain's perceiving it. Right. Welcome back to a new episode of Let's Get Into It. It's me, it's Bree. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so grateful that you're here and you picked an amazing episode to start with. If you're not new here, welcome back. I am also super grateful for you and you guys coming back and listening. So today's episode is actually with my really good friend, Kirsty O'Brien, and she has been on the podcast. This is her third time and she's also been in some of like my mashup episodes where I like pull from several episodes and like stream them together. So she's been on the podcast quite a few times and she also has her own podcast that I was on earlier this this year. Um, so I will link the episodes she's done on my podcast and also the episode I was on on her podcast. I will link those down below so you guys can take a listen. Um, today's episode, I'm just, I'm so stoked. I love it so much. Um, we cover so many topics. We talk about brain health. We talk about stress. We talk about anxiety. We talk about the difference between stress and anxiety. We talk about self-love and self-care. And uh, Kirstie and I have just really great, like a great simpatico of like conversation. That's the only way that I can phrase it. Um, so I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. There's so many like little nuggets of information and it's like listening in on one of our conversations, to be honest. Like this would be a conversation that Kirsty and I would have even if we weren't recording a podcast, which to me make the best podcast episodes. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like when I listen to a podcast and I feel like it's overproduced or like overdone. I'm like not that into it. But when I feel like I'm sitting in with two people having a conversation, those are my favorite podcasts to listen to. And they're also my favorite podcasts to record, especially when they're with my really good friends. So I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I know Kirstie and I enjoyed recording it. And I think you'll get a lot of really great little tidbits of information. And don't forget to check out Kirsty. All of her links will be down below. And I will see you guys next week for a new episode. All right. Be kind, be well, be grateful. Love you. Bye. Hi, Kirsty. How are you? Hello, my love. How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be recording with you today. Me too. I've been looking forward to this all week. Well, yeah, you're a day ahead. So it's a Wednesday for oh. you. It's a Tuesday <laughs> for me. But it is like I'm really it's I'm excited to to have you back on the podcast because I think this is the third time you've been on. 
It is. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm becoming a regular. <laughs> you are, which I know some people like are like, oh, I don't want to repeat guests. And I'm like, no, I think that's like the best part about having a podcast is that you can bring a guest back like multiple times. And especially like for us, I feel like we have such a wide range of topics that we can talk about. And I'm like, if it's going to help someone, of course I want them to come back. <laughs> oh, I, I agree. And I feel like sometimes in one interview, you unearth something, but you can't go into it deep enough because of what you've already covered. So mm-hmm. then it's really great to then come back and then go into that. So it's a really nice sort of follow on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today we kind of were going to talk about brain health and especially for mental health. So that's been like a, a trending topic. I think every time you've been on the podcast, we have talked about mental health because it's both impacted our lives and also kind of how we've created businesses around our own experience with mental health, specifically anxiety. And so I'm just really excited to kind of dive into this topic because it's something I became really interested in last year with the whole quarantine. You know, you're in Australia, I'm in the US. So I know we had like very different experiences with the lockdown, but nonetheless, like there were still periods of time where we were isolated and I'm like, oh, mental health is going to be like a huge thing. So I'm really excited to learn some of the things that you've also learned during this time. Oh, thank you. Me too. Because I I feel it's so important, but often quite missed. You know, we tend to have a focus on our physical health a lot Mm -hmm. and we forget about the mental side of it and the fact that we actually need to be doing things to cultivate and maintain you know that mental wellness which is our you know the psychological and the emotional part of us um and you don't have well-being if you're only just looking after your physical health you know you need to look after that that emotional and psychological part of us too absolutely and i'm sure you've seen there's like that i don't know if it's considered a meme but it's like that quote that's been going around on instagram that's like you can drink all the green juices and like you know work out and do the cardio and all of that but if you're not dealing with the voices shit in your head the shit in your head <laughs> like you're still going to you're still not going to ever become healthy and i truly feel that because there are so many times, I think especially for women, like we get, there's so much pressure to like eat really well and look a certain way and work out a certain way. And that almost causes more stress than anything. So it's like, it kind of like cross cancels each other. Like if you're so stressed out about eating and working out, (laughs) it does like your body is going to be releasing those chemicals and those hormones of like, like, what is that cortisol? I'm not a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know exactly what I'm saying, but I do really feel aligned with that because I think that's such a huge topic, like a huge thing that I've experienced of like, I'm, I'm putting more stress on myself to do the workout or to like eat perfectly than I am if I would just like enjoy the actual moving my body or eating whatever my body is craving. Mm, Very true. And that's what we forget too, because, you know, when we're looking after our mental health and we're at our best, you know, in that area, 
then we deal with stress better and more effectively. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem when we're, you know, not looking after our mental health and we're not, you know, got that level of mental fitness, then stress just rampages our physical health and it rampages your brain. So by then taking the time to really maintain like, you know, like a healthy headspace, like what you were just saying, you know, when you don't look after the shit that's in your head, well, if you actually start tending to actually, how can I create this healthier headspace? You're actually caring for your brain because you're changing the way that you deal with stress. You deal with stress more effectively. You become more resilient to cope with the everyday challenges of life. And, you know, your brain then is supportive because stress shrinks your brain. It affects your memory. It, you know, creates inflammation in the body. And that's why, like, when we're really stressed, we often feel really forgetful um, and even distracted and disorganized because it's affecting the way our brain's working. Absolutely. And I think, too, it's really important, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, of sometimes we don't even know that we're stressed out. And I yep. think I had that realization, um, I want to say maybe a couple of months ago, it was right, it's, usually, it's always right around the holidays, like holidays in general are very stressful, <laughs> but I had like an influx of clients and I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then like one day I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> am I really fine? And I think I had just my I, and I know my brain was doing this as like a protection, like defense mechanism type of thing where I was like, I feel as if my body adapted to that level of stress. Yes. So yeah, I was becomes even, your, your yeah. normal. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, stress and how we can kind of check in with ourselves to make sure that we're not just adapting to like another layer or new form of stress in our bodies and in our lives. Yeah. Well, that's why I focus really on what I do so much is when I work with people, helping them to firstly identify how stress is showing up for them and what is actually products of stress in their life. Because as you said, we quite often normalize that and it's I feel like it's even you know when you you know you jump on social media and you're flooded with you know it's all about the grind and you've got to be going and it's it's sort of almost is the the normal and you know what is successful to be pushing and hustling and moving and not resting and and it's so not what we need to be doing and it's not when we're at our most productive or our best but I think we get into this state of just constantly being highly, highly stressed that we don't realise that there's a different way that we can be, you know, and we get used to not sleeping properly. We, we make excuses and we normalise getting five or four hours of sleep a night and being really reactive and being really like, you know, always on our phones. And, you know, the reality is sometimes when you just take that step back and you actually look at how you're thinking and feeling and you drop into your body and you actually notice how much tension you have or how long you've actually had a headache for, um, then you see actually that you're actually chronically stressed and this is not the way you need to live. Right. Absolutely. And I, it's so funny you brought up the sleeping thing too, because like before we jumped on, I was just telling Kirsty that 
like we just had our time change on Saturday, like going into Sunday. And I mean, it's only Tuesday for me. So I've only had to like deal with the time change for like three days. And I feel like a zombie. Like I'm like, am I, what's happening <laughs> because of the, <laughs> the lack of sleep. But I also found myself like, even last night I was like, oh, like this is just like going to be my new bedtime. It's going to be like an hour later. And I, but I'm still waking up at the same time. So everything just like feels so funky. And I feel like sleep is for me. And I know everyone's going to have a different thing that, you know, works for them, but I feel like sleep is the one area that is the most important for me, but it's also the area that I struggle the most with. Mm. I think it's actually a common thing now, you know, so many people struggle to get to sleep um, and then they struggle to, to really get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. See, this is the thing. I'm like, I can fall asleep very quickly (laughs) and I will pretty much stay asleep like the whole night. Um, But it's like actually getting to bed and shutting off my brain and like turning off the TV and my putting my phone away and like actually getting to a place of like, okay, I'm going to close my eyes now and go to sleep. Like, and that's how I know it's more of a behavioral thing for me where I just need to make it like a really big priority of like, okay, phone goes off, TV's off. Like we're going to sit here and read <laughs> like those types of things. Like, and that's how I know it's more behavioral than I feel like it is like my body if that may, or my brain yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And because quite often what we don't realize is getting a good night's sleep actually starts from the minute we wake up and the things that we're doing from the minute we wake up till when we go to bed that night. So there's it's really important to do certain things throughout the day in order to ensure you're going to get that good night's sleep. And where stress I think gets this bad rap is you know we we need our stress hormone cortisol in, you know, a healthy level. <laughs> and so, you know, when we first wake up, cortisol is actually released and we need that for alertness. We need it to, you know, just go about our day. And the problem is that we start playing with our healthy curve because we're not looking after our mental health and we're allowing stress that, you know, that stress hormone cortisol to fluctuate and really like spike a lot. And then that plays with your sleep as well, because that stress hormone, cortisol, actually destroys our melatonin, which is the hormone that we need for sleep. So that's why when you're chronically stressed, you can't sleep. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So with cortisol, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here, because again, not a doctor, not not, (laughs) um, like, and that's a a funny thing too about like health stuff is I pick up certain things and I'm like, oh, am I remembering this correctly? Um, (laughs) But with cortisol, our bodies, like it ebbs and flows throughout the day. Am I correct? Yeah. And so like when, when it's working properly and it's in that healthy curve, it is released in the morning and then it starts to taper off by, you know, the late afternoon, evening so that you can prepare for bed. And what it does when it's, you know, working in that really healthy curve is it helps us to stay focused and energised and alert. And then, you know, if there isn't in an emergency, we're able to release it and, you know, help ourselves, you know, like if it's 
if you're in the car and a car pulls out in front of you, that, you know, you get that flood of cortisol so that you slam on the brake because you're instantly alert and focused to what's going on around you. So, you know, can when it's released in the right ways and we're using it to, you know, the way our body wants us to use it, it helps us to perform better. It helps us to, you know, show up and, you know, if we've got a big presentation or an interview like this and we're a little bit, you know, we're, we're going to, go, you know, put ourselves out there, um, it helps you. But it's when we mess around with it and mm-hmm. that's when it starts to damage our health and it starts to damage our brain health and it that's when we begin to feel really overwhelmed and like we can't cope with things that are happening because we've just flooded our body with cortisol and it's actually not helpful and it's starting to do damage to our brain and our bodies and it's actually starting to play around like with those those good hormones. It's destroying our feel-good hormones. It destroys our melatonin, which helps us to sleep. And so that's when we know that we're chronically stressed. So what are some... Uh, not to be cliche, signs and symptoms of, of chronic stress? Like what should people be looking out for if they think that they might be stressed, like chronically stressed? So it's that feeling of overwhelmed, like you just don't feel like you've got the ability to cope, you know, because when we're not chronically stressed and we've got, you know, a really great um, mental health, you know, we know that there's going to be things that challenge us. We know that there's, you know, those normal little stresses that happen throughout the day, but we know that we can deal with them. We, you know, when we're, we've got good mental health, we don't, um, we're not controlled by like our thoughts and emotions. So if we do get like a negative thought, like a little bit of self-doubt or something creep up, it doesn't take over and control us. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're more resilient to bounce back from it. But if you're chronically stressed, you know, you really just have this, I can't cope. It's just a total, total feel like that inability of that you can deal with anything that's happening. Um, You can feel really like um, impossible to make decisions. Like you just constantly question yourself all the time because you've just got no mental clarity. Um, You're exhausted, but you can't sleep. You know, you, you might get five or six hours sleep, but then you wake up, you're still exhausted because your body's never resting when you're chronically stressed. That's the important thing. You know, we have this, like I said, we need cortisol. We need it in that healthy curve. It, it supports us when it's in that healthy curve to be at our best. But when it's flooding our body, it's, it's destroying us and it's really wearing you down. So it, that's when, you know, you sort of, just constantly just feel fatigued and exhausted. You might get really bad muscle pains um, because it's just wreaking havoc on your body. Um, You can feel really depressed. You can actually feel no emotion, you know, when you really just feel numbed out, like you can't feel happy, you can't feel real extreme sadness. Um, And the other thing is you might really feel like you're turning on friends, family, work colleagues like you might just constantly feel negative and nitpicky because it's hard to see anything positive because you just don't feel positive yeah I feel like during the coronavirus in the beginning of like last year my dad was you know here with me and I was stressed for sure obviously because it was a very scary situation we didn't know what was gonna happen and I remember just like snapping at him like he he 
something about the dishwasher, like the dumbest thing. Like, is it life or death? No. But I just got so mad because I asked him to put the dish dishes in the dishwasher and I said something like, oh, the silverware. So he literally only put <laughs> the silverware in the dishwasher. <laughs> and I was like, I just lost it. Like, I was like, oh, like I just, I felt, I felt really, really bad looking, you know, 10 minutes later. Cause I was like, that was the dumbest flip out ever over <laughs> loading the dishwasher. But that's kind of how I knew I was like, oh, okay, like something, there's a little bit of an imbalance here because it just, yeah. Like I just snapped, like I got so snippy with him. Yeah. And, and we get used to, and again, like what you were saying earlier about, you know, normalizing certain responses. Sometimes, you know, we can be really reactive to our um, loved ones or our friends and we don't actually see that that's not the best way to be you know that's just well we sort of blame external circumstances or we even blame that person for making us be reactive rather than taking personal responsibility for I should have responded differently there Right. And I think that's like the big thing for me is like, I don't like treating people poorly, especially like my friends and family and people that I love. And so for me to like have such a visceral <laughs> reaction to him, like I was like, I apologize. I was like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think I'm just stressed out about everything. Obviously, like the whole world shutting down and not being able to get like, food and things like that. Um <laughs> But I'm curious too, because we've talked a lot about anxiety in our previous episodes. And I think a lot of people get stress and anxiety confused. Um, and I feel like there is a lot of overlap with like symptoms and like what you might be feeling. But I also think that there is some some differences between stress and anxiety. So I would love to hear what your thoughts are on that yeah like I personally and like I'm not an expert in anxiety I just have am someone that has dealt with it for I think coming up to six years now <laughs> so I've sort of you know really done my best to try to understand it but I, I feel like again anxiety is a condition of our mental health mm. so I feel like stress is again something that our brain does and it's, it's a physical response to things that are happening around us and I feel like anxiety is a condition of mental health um, where you know when we're not looking after our mental health um, and we're not doing the things to really cultivate that state of wellness then you know we can develop anxiety now we can have situational anxiety which is just something that you know comes up that you know causes us to feel anxious right. um, or then you've got a deeper condition which is anxiety which it doesn't matter how you look after your mental health if you've got that condition of anxiety um, that's going to come up for you and then that's important to really understand okay well what what is this condition that I have and then do things to help yourself to heal it. Because again, I think we've spoken about this quite a bit. I don't feel like we can cure anxiety, um, but I feel like we can heal it. And I feel that we can do things, um, you know, create habits that really help us to become more aware of and to look after, you know, ourselves so that 
you know, we can heal our anxiety. Absolutely. And I think too, with stress, I'm trying to think of my own experience with stress versus anxiety, because I do think they feel for me. And again, this is just like my personal experience with, with them is they feel very different. I think with stress, I feel it more in my head. Like I'll be in my head about whatever I'm stressed about with anxiety. I feel it in my body. Yes, exactly. It's very much like I'm tense. um, I can't get comfortable. Shortness of breath. Like I'll get like jelly legs. Like for me, I'm like, that is anxiety with stress. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm like thinking of like a situation with like a client that I was really stressed about. I was like, okay, I have to do all of these things. And it was more in my head where I was trying to like calculate how to resolve the issue and like work through um, like getting all of her work done for her. So I think that for me is how I discern the two, because obviously everyone experiences stress. Um, not, I think a lot of people who maybe had never experienced anxiety experienced it last year for the first time. I know a lot of people have come to me and told me that. Um, and I do think that there's a big distinction. And obviously, like Kirsty and I have been working through our own anxieties for several years. So we really know how to like register it for ourselves. Um, But I would just really encourage people to figure out what that discernment is for you because they are very two different experiences. Mm. And I, I agree with you there. And it's, I think too, because you said, you know, stress you feel in your body. And when you think about it, you know, when we're stressed, we are experiencing that you know, mental and physical symptoms, you know, so like Mm -hmm. I talked about, you know, you, you can get the muscle pains and the headaches, but you can also get the, you know, the snapping at somebody and feeling like um, you're overwhelmed and you can't cope. Whereas anxiety is really just like constant. It's like worry. And that's why it feels like it's you're in your head when you're anxious because you're constantly worrying and ruminating and overthinking about things. And I think, you know, sometimes anxiety, like as we said before, is situational and it's actually created from stress, like it's a symptom of stress. Mm -hmm. Um, And normally stress is a response to something that our brain perceives as a threat. And in today's life, you know, bills and having a mortgage or thinking about losing your job is a real threat. And that's why your brain perceives it as a threat and it releases that, you know, flood of cortisol when we're constantly moving about our day and we have these constant like things coming up to stress us out. But it's not, we're not in the wilderness anymore and we're not, there's not a wildebeest going to chase us. Right. But our brain is still perceiving that, you know, maybe that letter from the mortgage broker or the, the debt collector or the fact that, you know, they're laying off people at work and you don't know if you've got job security. Your brain perceives that just as much as what the cavemen perceived as being in the wilderness and being chased by a massive animal. So that's the thing that we have to remember is that these everyday threats that don't seem like that they're, you know, really that dangerous, but that's not how your brain's perceiving it. Right. And that's like the most frustrating thing (laughs) for, uh, for me with anxiety, especially is it's like, like, 
you, you, you don't want to get rid of that part of your brain. I think it's called the amygdala. Again, not a brain doctor, yep. clearly, but I think it's called the amygdala. And they actually did this study with a bunch of monkeys where they removed that fear center. I think they removed the amygdala from, I would think it was like 12 monkeys or something like that. And they were all dead within 72 hours because these monkeys had a zero fear. So they were just like running around doing crazy shit, <laughs> like <laughs> in, in this facility. And again, I'm really sorry for these monkeys that they had to, you know, that they suffered through this experiment. But I think it also for me, like shows like you don't want to get rid of your anxiety. You want to get rid of the stress, but the anxiety, it's there to protect you for instances like, yeah, like you're pulling out of a parking spot and someone is flying down the aisle and you want to slam on your brakes. If there's, you know, um, a tree falling over in front of you, you want to get out of the way. Like things like that, like anxiety makes sense. So we want to be grateful for it. Um, But at the same time, it's also creating these stories and this is something I've really learned over the last six months in therapy is creating these stories that release that cortisol that release that adrenaline and they're not even situations that are really happening Um, yeah and I think a lot of people can relate to that because yeah we've all been through some you know pretty intense stuff of like yeah the fear of am I you know going to be able to pay that bill am I going to you know, lose my job? Is my family going to be okay? Like all of these things are presented to us and they might not even be real. They might happen or they might not happen. And I think once we start playing into the story of it, that's when the anxiety really kicks up a notch. A hundred percent. And because we've got to remember like, you know, smaller levels of stress and anxiety are natural natural parts of our human experience. You know, they're like you, like you just said, they're, they're actually needed, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to feel those like all sorts of emotions, um, but it's when they take over and that we're then being controlled by our thoughts and our emotions um, and that our body's not ever moving out of that highly stressed state into that you know, rest and restored state, which is vital for your physical our well-being as homeos- well as your mental well-being. Our homeostasis <laughs> is, I think, what it's called. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I think, and I think that's why I've really tried to focus on sleep personally over the last couple of months is because I do feel physically better when I get good sleep. And cons- and it's not even, and I I know that there's studies that show like even getting one night of good sleep like doesn't negate the fa- like the three days of bad sleep that you got. Um, so that's why I think like the consistency piece is like super important. Mm, a hundred. Well, it's like everything, isn't it? You've got to, in order to feel the benefits, you've got to make that a consistent practice. Right. <laughs> you can't just get a good night's sleep. Oh yeah, I ticked one up for this month. <laughs> Right. Like everything's Gucci now. Like I got one good <laughs> night of sleep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even I'm sure you can attest to this because I know you practice a lot of meditation and that's something that you help your clients with too, is like establishing a meditation practice. Um, 
so I'd love to hear what your meditation practice is like. So I meditate. Um, I used to, it, it changes between 10 and 20 minutes. I don't time it, but I meditate first thing in the morning. I meditate at lunchtime and I meditate right before I go to sleep. So I usually, I try to get in an hour in total, um, but I don't, I don't, I like, and I always support my clients to have this too. I like my practice to be fluid. So I just really allow myself to sit with the breath. Um, I've, I've been meditating for that long now. I don't need to set a timer because I've, some people, I always advise new people set a timer because otherwise you'll be so stressed checking the time, making sure you're not going, <laughs> you know, not meditating for 20 minutes when you've only got 10 minutes to spare or so, but yeah, I, pretty much can know when I'm at the 10 minutes instinct instinctively or at the 20 minutes. And I just go with what feels good for me and, you know, what I need in that moment. Um, and look, it works for my life like that. But if you can just meditate for five minutes, but you're able to do it every single day, you're going to build up that consistency to see the benefits for your mental health and well-being. Because you've got to remember all these studies that they do on meditation on meditators where they, you know, see all the benefits that it has on physical health and they see all the great changes it makes in your brain and it helps to, you know, helps with your cognitive function and your memory and um, helps you to learn new things and deepen your self-awareness. All of those studies are done in meditators for eight weeks or more. So Mm -hmm. you're not going to see the benefits if you're not giving it a go, if you're not meditating every single day and you're not, you know, doing it for a long period of time as well. So I think that's the most important thing. And for me, I really feel like maintaining a healthy headspace and really, you know, maintaining my mental fitness because I, I also, as I, you know, I'm in my 40s, physical fitness is a big priority for me. I want to be strong as I age. I want to be strong for my children and the grandchildren that are hopefully yet to come. Um, but I also know that it's really important that I have really great, mental fitness so that I can do all the things I want to do in my life and that I can really connect fully and deeply with my loved ones. And so I can, you know, make an impact on the world around me. And I can't do that if I'm not looking after my mental health. So I really feel that like mindfulness as a practice is the really great foundation of looking after your mental health. And, um, because not only have you got like you've got the meditation aspect with mindfulness which helps your body helps your brain but you've also got you know that sense of presence that you bring into your life so you stop doing things like multitasking you mm-hmm. stop you learn to like actually you know take control of your thoughts and identify which are the bullshit ones <laughs> you know like because that's the thing like you said before we have all these thoughts and not all of them are true most of them are bullshit and also most of them are just repeated and regurgitated from the day before the day before years before our childhood seen from messages that we you know picked up when we were a kid and didn't know better or whatever else but yet we can tend to like let those thoughts control us Um, dictate how we feel, dictate how we show up, you know, they create a lot of stress and anxiety. So, you know, when you start to become more mindful, you actually 
create a little bit of space between, you know, your thoughts and your emotions and your responses. And it really does help you to deepen that self-awareness to actually understand, okay, that's just a thought. And I actually choose the power I give to it. Also lets you sit with how you're feeling and actually feel emotions without feeling like you've got to push them away or numb them. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sadness, um, grief, sorrow, pain, all of those things. They're natural parts of being human. But again, we don't want them to control us. And when we're really reactive and we're really stressed and we're not looking after our mental health, you know, we tend to have like a negative emotion come up and it controls us and it consumes us and it, you know, takes over our day before we know it. And it's really affected, you know, all of our relationships. It even affects how you feel about yourself. So, Absolutely. you know, that's, I feel like that's the biggest gift of um, mindfulness is actually deepening your self-awareness around how you're feeling, you know, what you're thinking and allowing you to, you know, go through life from a much more responsive rather than reactive state. And I feel like too, there's so many things I want to like touch on. So hopefully I remember them. But the first one is with the mindfulness, I think there's also a practice within mindfulness of acceptance and non-judgment because, and I can speak for myself, is if I felt a negative emotion like anger or being overwhelmed or sadness, like my immediate reaction was like, I don't want to feel this way. How do I fix it? How do I stop it? Like, I don't want this feeling. Um, and one, I learned, you know, a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts are fleeting, right? Like, we may experience them, but they're not going to be around forever. And our, I think our primal brain, like, goes to that area of, like, I'm going to feel sad forever. I'm going to feel angry forever. I'm going to feel overwhelmed forever, which is not true. And we kind of have to reaffirm that for ourselves. but also accepting like, okay, if I feel angry, if I feel judgmental towards myself or sad or any of those other negative emotions, it's okay that I feel that way. And I think that for me, validating my own emotion in that space is super, super helpful. And I've actually found, and I don't know if this is like truth or if I'm doing it wrong, hopefully not, but I found that like when I do validate the feeling and I say it's okay to be sad, it's okay to be angry, it actually passes through me much quicker than if I were to resist it and to say, I don't want to feel this way. I shouldn't feel this way. How do I fix this? What's the real problem? Like, you know, whatever, like trying to push it like out of myself, it, it actually would stick around longer than if I were to just accept that that's how I was feeling. A hundred percent because you take the power away from it. Mm. You know, all mm -hmm. resistance creates tension and stress. So mm -hmm. wherever we're holding resistance, we're creating stress. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting too, because my therapist the other day, I was talking about like some transitions within my business and stuff. And I was like, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. And he's like, there's always going to be chaos and transition. And I just thought that that was like so affirming to me where I was like, it's okay that it's a little chaotic right now. Like it's not supposed to feel perfect. 
Like, I think we kind of think, (laughs) we think that like, okay, if I'm meditating, if I'm practicing mindfulness, if I'm working on my stress, I'm working on myself and like healing these things that like, you're supposed to feel good. And it's like, no, (laughs) unfortunately, it's going to sometimes feel a little messy and a little chaotic and you're going to think you're not doing it right. Um, Because that's just part of it. But then I think that's why acceptance of where you're at and like the non-judgment of feelings and thoughts is so important because it allows space for that and you don't get stuck in it of like of that should thought of those should thoughts right Mm. like if I'm working out I should feel better and it's like well if you haven't worked out in a while you're not gonna feel great you know or like if you haven't meditated before it's gonna be hard Um, yes those types of things well and because you know that's the thing our practice teaches us Reality is what it is. And mm. we, we waste so much time and energy trying to change things that are out of our trying to, you know, control things or change things or wish that they were differently when really the only thing that we can control is us. Right. So, and how, and we, how respond. we respond. Yep. yep. And so the- then here you've got this tool too that actually helps you to regulate your nervous system. So when stress is taking over, and flooding your body with all these stress hormones and, you know, getting, you know, really affecting you, you've got this tool that actually helps you to regulate your nervous system that helps you to dampen your stress response and release the hormones that you need to take you into a rest and restorative state, which then allows you to think more clearly, to listen more clearly, to, you know, see things from a different perspective. So, you know, you have got that ability then to exactly open your heart and mind to this moment it is what it is but I choose how I want to respond from here I choose the thoughts I want to focus on just because there's all these thoughts here doesn't mean that I have to respond to every single one of them Mm -hmm. absolutely and I think too another thing about the you know your nervous system regulation is like your body our bodies are incredible (laughs) like yeah they are a masterpiece that like, I I mean, I'm not, you know, super religious, but I'm like, this is how I know like a higher power exists because like the way that our bodies are created is just so incredible to me. Um, our bodies are constantly healing themselves and they want our, they want your body wants to be in that homeostasis state. Like it's doing everything it can to get back to that. So like, again, I think when we resist that and like we try to control or we try to fix, like you're going against like what your body's already trying to do for you naturally. If you just let go and surrender, like your body will do, do it, do the work for you. A hundred percent. I love that because your body's or I actually just posted this on my Instagrams. <laughs> your body is always talking to you. We just don't listen to it. You know, we zone it out and you know, it's really important for us to start listening to our bodies and even be aware of how our bodies are feeling. And, you know, I think then too, when you start listening to your body, you become so much more aware of the state of your mental health as well. Mm, Yes. So how do you know when your mental health, you might need to do a little bit of a check-in with yourself? Like what are some things that you might notice in your body where you're like, maybe I need to sit down for a minute and like sit with myself. (laughs) That is a great, great question. I love it. Okay. For me, um, 
I like procrastinate a lot and I can feel myself starting to do self-sabotaging behaviours. So like, and again, just constantly questioning myself, my intuition, um, my sleep. That's for me, it's just like I find it impossible to switch off and like get to sleep and then I start distracting myself with shit TV and just skipping out on myself, you know, skipping out on things that I normally do like exercising. Um, Another big one for me is isolating. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, when my mental health is starting to suffer, I find excuses to stay home, to isolate, to not show up, not go for that coffee. Um, And so that's one thing that I've really, really worked hard on since, because, you know, I actually, when I first was dealing with my anxiety, I mean, I'd just come out of an isolation bubble with Ava. So we'd been isolating for over a year. So isolation was a bit normalised for us. Then, you know, we're going back to normal life. But because of my anxiety, I just continued to isolate. And I reasoned that away um, as being normal, but it wasn't. So um, I've worked really hard to maintain really meaningful relationships in my life and to maintain those connections because what I've learned is we actually thrive with that human connection. And even if I'm feeling a bit crappy, if I go and meet that friend and, you know, just have a coffee, even if I don't feel like it after I've done it, I feel so good, you know, like it just is exactly what I need. Um, Whereas when I isolate, it just tears me down more and more and more. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think it will be interesting too, you know, as we've, I think a lot of people experienced a lot of healing because of the isolation and the lockdowns with the coronavirus. But I also think there's going to be a new level of healing when, as things start to open back up again, that like whatever people were avoiding or they began using the lockdown as an excuse for, um, I think there's going to be like another layer, another level of healing that's going to happen after once Mm. things start opening back up again. And, you know, the other thing that I do, which I've become really aware of probably in the last couple of years, when my mental health is starting to suffer, I just freaking waste so much time on social media, just doing nothing, (laughs) scrolling. (laughs) So yeah, that's when I know, no, Kirsty, step away from the phone. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think too, so before we wrap this up, I want to touch on excuses. Um, And I think a big one for a lot of people is time. Like if someone tells you, I don't have time to meditate, I don't have time to implement these practices into my life, what would you say to them? That is your excuses talking. That is your brain trying to keep you safe from what you know. It's, you know, how we resist all sorts of change. And when you feel yourself making those excuses, that's when you know that you've got to look after yourself better. That's when you know you've got to do the thing in order to really start cultivating good mental health because that's when you know that your mental health is actually really suffering. Because when you've got great mental health, 
your um, self-care game is on point. That is a non-negotiable because you know that you can't show up, you can't thrive, you can't flourish in life unless you're looking after all areas of your of your well-being, mentally um, and physically. So you you don't skip out on yourself. Absolutely, and I think too. I know for myself, like as I've gotten busier with one-on-one clients, I actually have to do more self-care. Which feels so counterintuitive because I'm like, I've got all of these things I want to do. Like the last thing I want to do is sit down and journal. The last thing I want to do is sit down and meditate because I'm like, I've got this list in my head of like, I've got all these things to do. Like I can just, I'd rather just do, get them done now. And then like once I'm done with everyone else's stuff, then I can take care of myself. And it's like, no girlfriend, it's the other way around. Like I literally have to talk to myself like I'm like that friend that pushes you. and I literally say to myself, like, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of anyone else. And I'm sure you can relate to that because you have children um, yeah. where it's like, you, in order, I'm sure for you to show up as like a good mother, you also, you have to take your t- five to 10 minutes to meditate every morning. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like this is the, the downside of, you know, a term like self-care because I feel like it's gotten this bad rap. Um, of being like really indulgent and I always remind people that self-care is just when you are truly and deeply caring for yourself you know it's not bubble baths and massages it's just knowing that you know you are just this divine freaking human that's here for a purpose and here for a reason and you need your love and care just like everybody else around you you know like and I really find it a priority that I model to my children that it's important that you look after yourself mm-hmm. and that that's not selfish and that, you know, I really encourage all of them as well as myself to have a really strong like morning routine where they're, they're just connecting to their breath and they're thinking about how they want their day to be, who do they want to be as they show up, you know, like trying to teach them to set that intention so that when they like move into adulthood, that's just a given for them Um, because that's, I didn't see that growing up and it certainly wasn't the messages that I heard growing up either. You know, it was always like you're selfish if you go to the gym before you, you know, like you're a, you're a mum, you need to be looking after your kids and living for your kids and all that can wait. And there's so many just shit messages like that. And I just really feel like if you just strip self-care back and just look at it in terms of, you know, we know that we're energetic beings. A hundred percent. Whatever you believe in, you know that we're energetic beings. <laughs> That's been proven by science. So, <laughs> you know, like, um, so, you know, you've got to think about you, You've got this tank of energy. And we, we know that, we so feel it. And when the tank is full, you feel amazing, you are calmer, you're more responsive, you connect better with the world around you, you connect more deeply with your loved ones. Um, you know, you get so much more out of life when your tank is full. And when you just give, 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 give and deplete it, well, what's going to happen? You know, you're going to end up stressed out anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, can't sleep, just like you'll be burnt out. And that's just a fact because your energy needs to be renewed. You know, it's your most valuable uh, resource 
is your energy. And so you've got to spend the time connecting to it, filling it up because it's going to get depleted throughout the day. No matter what we do, there's just stuff that's always coming up, people that drain us, things that happen. And if we're not like putting that effort in to restore our energy first thing in the morning so that we're meeting the world with a full tank, you know, we're good to go. And then throughout the day, as we get depleted, you know, we've got to have those like little things in our toolbox where we know, okay, I feel really a bit depleted here. I know I need to step back. Like you said, I'm, if it's journaling or I need to drink more water, right. I need to walk around outside for five minutes. You know, it doesn't need to look complicated. Sometimes it's so simple as having a glass of water because you're freaking dehydrated. Right. <laughs> that, like fills your energy up, you know what I mean? And then and other now, times it looks like a practice of meditation or... Yeah, I feel it. I mean, this is a great precursor because I'm actually going to record a solo episode about like the difference between self-care and self-love because I think I had a conversation with a girlfriend. She was like, I was trying to make myself feel better. So I like went and got a manicure and a massage and I'm like, okay, good for you. But like, did you actually deal with like the issue that you were feeling unsure about? And she's like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) that's probably why you don't feel good is because like you didn't actually handle the situation. Like instead it was like this like pseudo self-care practice that you tried to do. And it's like, I mean, I can't, I can't speak, you know, completely to the situation because I don't know hundred percent how she feels. But I, I also see that in myself where like sometimes I'll like you try to use these practices as like a way to say like, yeah, I'm taking care of myself, but if I'm not actually dealing with like the real stressor, it's like, "Mm, where should the energy actually be? Um, And I think too, like, again, I get self-care gets this wrap of like, it's just face masks and massages and like beauty treatments, but there's also like, it's like, you also have to take care of like the emotional self too. So I think there's a big discernment there that needs to kind of be yeah, Discussed. because I feel like that's the, the superficial self-care, which, you know, is still great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes you feel good. <laughs> it makes you feel great. But what is the, the mental self-care? You know, what is the stuff that you're doing every day to look after your mental well-being? What is the physical self-care of, you know, like your movement and getting outside? And, and it's just about really like being, be, being aware of your energy, how much you've got, what you've got to give and knowing what you need to do in order to restore it so that stress and anxiety and feelings of even depression don't take over your life and consume you. Absolutely. I'm so glad we touched on so many great topics today. Um, And I will make sure to link like our past episodes in the um, description so people can go back and listen to those as well. But is there anything else that you'd like to share? And also, I'll obviously include all of your links down below, but if you want to tell people where they can find you or work with you. Oh, thank you. No, I think we covered everything. I I love talking to you. I get so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Well, you can find my website, which has like all of my consulting packages and um, my workplace programs. That's at teamko.com.au. And you can find me over on Instagram at Meditate with Kirsty. 